want to pray. And I want to pray for what's happening, but I want to pray also that you and I could really tune into God right now. Not be distracted because I want you to hear what the Bible says about the times we're living in uh, and, and, and what's happened, what's happening, and what's to come. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move uh, uh, upon each one of us, God, on, and, and touch our hearts and make our minds able to grasp the truths we're about to dig into. I thank you that you told us ahead of time what would happen. I thank you you showed us in the Bible what we should be preparing for. And, and I know what we're seeing now is so much what you told us to be ready for and what's to come. What's to come. And so, Lord, as we uh, have the privilege we have a responsibility of living in these last days. May we fulfill our purpose and know who we are in you. And I pray right now for those who are hurting for lots of different reasons, you would comfort them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Doomsday Clock uh, was founded in 1947 by a group of atomic scientists who had been a part of the Manhattan Project, uh, where we developed uh, an, a, a nuclear weapon that we ended up being dropped, the atomic bomb dropped in, on Japan. They were so horrified, these scientists, at the devastation they helped create, and they saw the peril that it brought to mankind, that they started what was called the Doomsday Clock. And the idea is when the clock hit midnight, that would signify either the complete annihilation from mankind on planet Earth or uh, 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 the vast majority of people on planet Earth. And they began to bring warnings every year and, and sometimes after every major event to let us know how close we are to midnight. Just recently, they set it at 100 seconds to midnight. 100 seconds. This group of uh, scientists who are made up of 13 Nobel Prize winners they, they said we're that close. And it's the closest we've ever been to midnight. And uh, what do they do? They evaluate that time. Uh, we are getting close to midnight based on the world's vulnerability to catastrophe uh, by nuclear weapons, uh, by climate change, by disruptive technology, which, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm going to get into that in a coming week, uh, by the available resources we have to even live, and by disease. We right now, according to science, are closer to the end than we ever have been before. But the Bible and science agree. The Bible is even taught there's a particular sign, a great sign, that begins a countdown uh, that shows we're in the last days and begins a countdown to the catastrophic things that would happen, but also to the coming of Jesus Christ when he returns on this earth. And when he also calls for his church to be with him. And so what I want you to know is that I am so intrigued. I don't know if you are. I'm so intrigued by the idea that what science says, what the Bible says, always continues to align together. The Bible and science are, are compatible. The Bible, by the way, said it first and say, says it best, but science is backing up and affirming that what the Bible says is true. Now, you need to know that. You need to be aware of that. I, I always get amazed how they always come together in such a significant way. And this is one of the proofs that God's word is true, that the Bible is God's word and his message to us is true. God inspired and moved men to write what's in the Bible. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, I hope for you to write that down or write down all the verses I'm about to give you. In 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, uh, Peter tells us this. He says, above all, 
you must realize that no prophecy of Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from a human initiative. In other words, they didn't make this up. The Bible's not written by men. That's what he says. He goes, no, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So what we have in the Bible, the entire Bible was a message from God. He had men write it, but he had them write what he wanted them to write. And when it comes to all the Bible, but especially prophecy, we have God's message to us. What's prophecy? It's when God tells us ahead of time what's going to happen. And there are thousands of prophecies in the Bible. And the ones that could come true have come true exactly as the Bible says. The Bible's not only scientifically accurate, it's prophetically accurate. And, and many of those prophecies have to do with our days and times uh, and, and the times we're living in. And we're going to be talking through the month of June about what God says. Uh, what God has showed us would happen and some of which has happened. So what's happened, what's happening uh, right now in our time and what's going to happen. So let me just say this so you don't miss it, especially if you're brand new to all this. Uh, the Bible is historically accurate. It's archaeologically accurate. It's scientifically accurate and it's prophetically accurate. And so when it says something's going to occur, it will occur. And Jesus himself gave us signs that show he's about to return. Uh, th that's what's called the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes back again. So he'll rapture the church ahead of his coming. That's where he'll take this church out of the world. People will disappear in a moment. And then after a period of time, he's going to return again. And, and there's a lot of horrible things that happen during that time. Uh, uh, judgments that come on mankind. Consequences of how we've been living. Much of what occurs in the last days that's bad is the consequence of choices we made and the way we choose to live. And so what I want you to know is that Jesus gave us these signs. And in Luke 21, which is one of the places Jesus gives these signs, in Luke 21, verse 29 to 36, uh, we get some of the things that Jesus wants us to know. So let's start in verses 29 and 30. And it says, then he, Jesus, gave them an illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree, when the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer's near. So Jesus said, you know what, if you're a wise person, you can look at the, the, the trees and, and know the season you're in. You know that, and I know that, even here in California, uh, where, by the way, we don't have the true four seasons like some of you guys have uh, in other parts of the country or the world. We still can look at the trees and know that spring is happening, summer is near, fall is approaching, and Christmas has come. Uh, by the way, right now, uh, one of the main ways we know uh, the signs of the seasons to come is when you go to Costco. <laughs> you know, anybody else with me? When you go to Costco and you see all the barbecues out, it tells you summer's coming, right? And uh, I don't know about you, how many of you guys are like me? Man, I'm looking at those barbecues and those pellet smokers and, and thinking about what we're going to cook for summer barbecues and stuff like that. But that's a way to know the times we're living in the season that's either about to come or now has come. And, and so here's the thing I want you to know is, is we have these signs all around us and we, we go for those. When the uh, uh, gyms, they're not open yet, but when they start advertising, it's time to lose weight, you know, summer's near. <laughs> Anybody else watch that and you're like, oh man, this year I'm gonna do it. And I don't, um, but you know that. So we have signs like that all the time. We have signs for Halloween, signs for Christmas, signs for Easter. 
And we have signs for the coming of the Lord. Verse 31, he picks up and says this. Jesus says, in the same way, just like you can tell the season that you're about to have based on the, the trees or based on plants, he says, in the same way, when you see all these things taking place, and then what these things are the signs he's giving us, he says, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my word will never disappear. And notice what he says next. Watch out. Watch out. In other words, keep alert. Watch. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. Listen to this next one. And by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap for that day will come upon everyone living on earth. Keep alert at all times. In other words, we are not supposed to be surprised. We are not to be caught off guard. Jesus said, I want you watching and I want you to keep alert at all times. And he goes and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. Coming horrors. Something so bad that Jesus himself said, man, it's horrible, horrifying, the horrors that are to come and that you're able to stand before the Son of Man. He goes, I, don't want, I want you to escape these things. I want these things not to overtake you and I don't want you to be caught off guard. Uh, see, that's what Jesus is telling us and don't miss it. Uh, and he says, you know, we are to keep uh, watch and to be on the alert. We are not to be caught off guard. And Jesus calls them horrors to come. And by the way, right now, Come on, you guys, you know we're getting a taste of it. We're getting a taste of what Jesus said would happen is going to happen. The planet, this planet's going to be a scary place to live. And you need Jesus in this time. I need Jesus in this time. He can strengthen you, he can protect you, and he can carry you through. By the way, I'll be giving an invitation at the end. But any time as I'm talking, if you feel like, you know what, it's time for me to get right with the Lord, either for the first time or to recommit, I want you to do this. Anytime I'm talking, I want you to text AMEN to 69922. You just grab your phone. You say, you know what, I want to be right with Jesus. I want to be right ready for his coming. I want you to text AMEN. A-M-E-N to 69922. I want you to do that and, and just let me know. And at the end, we'll, we'll pray a prayer together where you can be right with God. But uh, while we don't know the day or hour, while we don't know the day or hour, Jesus is clear and the Bible's clear we're not to be caught off guard. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, it says this, but you aren't in the dark about these things. If you're a Christian, and by the way, if you're with me in the month of June, you're not going to be in the dark about these things. And he goes, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Now, don't miss what he said. While the Bible does teach he's going to come like a thief in the night, it says Christians, people who know Jesus, people who are right with God, we are not going to be caught off guard. And we're not going to be surprised like a thief in the night. We can see the clock is counting down and it's a hundred seconds to midnight. We can see the handwriting on the wall that he's coming and we need to be ready and we need to live, live the kind of lives we should live knowing at any moment the Lord could capture the church into the air or he could return. The coronavirus, by the way, is one of the signs that Jesus told us to watch for. Uh, and, and I don't want you to miss that. 
The coronavirus and other diseases are one of the signs that Jesus told us to watch for. So in Luke 21, verses 10 and 11, listen to what it says. Then Jesus added and said, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues, diseases in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. So plagues or pandemic disease is a sign that Jesus is coming back. And there's a great plague, a greater plague that is to come. There would be plagues that would lead up to a greater plague, a diseases that would lead up to a disease that would be horrifying. So with 100 seconds to midnight, the Bible and the science that we have today are warning us about something. And so I want to break on down what Jesus just told us. So get ready for it. Uh, one of the things Jesus said is this, when you see racial unrest and war between nations, know that that is a sign that I'm coming back. Now, I want, don't want you to miss that. So in Luke 21, 10, I read that when he goes, a nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Uh, the word nations, probably not a good translation there because the Greek word is ta ethne. And, and it's where we get the word ethnic or ethnos gets ethnic. And when he says, when you see ethnic group fighting ethnic group and ethnic group against ethnic group, race against race, people being attacked for the color of their skin and where they come from and the fact they might be different from someone else. Jesus said, that's one of the signs of my coming. When you see racial unrest and war between nations, he goes, I want you watching. And by the way, I want you to know that while sad to say that, that sin of racism has always been around and war has always been a, a plague on mankind, it's worse today. It's worse today. In the book of Revelation, Jesus gave us signs too. By the way, all the signs align. All the signs go in the same order, whether they're in Luke 21 or in Revelation chapter 6. But I want to have you pick up with me in Revelation chapter 6, where we go to what's called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, a horseman is one who would come forth and acting on earth the next sign of the coming of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, it says, When the Lamb broke the second seal, uh, and what is a seal? Uh, and there was a scroll, and it had a seal on it. And the seal was a wax seal. And when it was broken, you could read that part of what was being told. Uh, by the way, uh, of an official seal, a Roman seal, back in the days that the, the book of Revelation was written, uh, had seven seals that showed it was official. And there are seven seals in the book of Revelation that will be broken and uh, revealing the next event that would occur. And then when the second seal was broken, I heard the second living being say, come. And then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. Um, peace has been taken from the earth. I don't know if you're aware of this. Since 1948, we have not had one day of peace on earth. Uh, there were times of peace prior to that, believe it or not. But now, not only do we not have peace on earth, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Forty nations are currently engaged in armed conflicts. Forty, uh, uh, the Bible would turn them kingdoms, are fighting one another right now. I want to show you a map of that so you can see. Everywhere you see that red dot, there's war happening, battles occurring 
people fighting each other. And if you don't think that's happening, you just got to open your eyes and, and look up and watch out and be on the alert. Many of many other nations are like powder kegs ready to explode. Uh, right now, we're so close to seeing uh, Pakistan and India go to war, which could be incredibly devastating, both of which are nuclear powers. Us and Russia have great tension today. The United States and China. I, I mean, come on, you know, us and Iran, us and, and North Korea. And right now, when you look at India and Pakistan fighting over Kashmir, the U.S. and Russia with rising tension, the U.S. and Re uh, North Korea, uh, it seems like sometimes getting better, most of the time getting worse. Jesus said, I want you to watch out for this. I want you to watch out for this. And here's what he said in Matthew 24, another chapter that gives those signs of the last days. He said this, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. It'll follow, but not immediately. Nation will rise against nation. And remember that word nation again is the word for ethnic group. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. So I want to go back again and reiterate that. What we're seeing in the United States and what we're seeing around the world is something that Jesus said we would watch for and see as a sign of his coming a sign we're in the last days of the horrors to come on earth. Nation is literally ethnos, which means ethnic group or race. So in the U.S., the tension is high, even deadly, between racial groups. And I want you to know, if you're brand new to all this, I preached this a year ago and warned about it a year ago. I preached it two years ago, five years ago. Some of you are watching. Put it in the chat. You can tell everybody. I, I heard Pastor Chuck in the 80s and 90s telling us these things would happen in this order, not because I'm special, but because I'm reading the Bible. And I know our Lord warned us on purpose so we could be ready and not caught off guard, not surprised like a thief in the night. So right now, we're seeing this occur. By the way, in, in not just the United States, in Ethiopia, in Ethiopia, three million people had to flee from their homes because of ethnic violence. Three million people have been driven from their homes in that one nation. And, and, and for sake of time, I'm not going to do it, but the list goes on and on and on here in this country and all around the world. And by the way, racism's always been a sin. God loves people of all color. God loves people of all backgrounds. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. The church is to be a place where we all come together, standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side, in love, supporting one another, protecting one another. And so for everybody out there, no matter what racial group you are, Jesus wants you to know you're valuable and you belong and you, you need to be loved. And we need to speak up and, and speak out for each other. And uh, in this time, these last days more than ever. Um, and so uh, I believe God can still bring healing to our country, but I want to tell you, it'll come back again. It'll come back again. Why? Because it's this thing called sin. It's a thing called sin. And Jesus died to take away sin. So one of the signs of the coming of the Lord is racial unrest and war between nations. Uh, another sign of the coming of the Lord is economic unbalance. When you hear that, you probably think, well, that doesn't sound that bad. And, but maybe now it's making more sense. Maybe now when you see the economic imbalance in the United States, the frailty of our economy, the fact that, that we are falling apart economically and the rest of the world is in the same boat and people aren't sure how to handle it. 
Maybe it makes us open our eyes better to what's occurring. In Revelation chapter 6, we go back to the next horseman that's coming. And in verse 5, it says, When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature, uh, heard living uh, uh, being saying, Come. And I looked in, uh, up and saw a black horse. And its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. Those are the balancing scales that you see. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and the wine. The people would have to work a whole day just to get a loaf of bread. Uh, that's economic unbalance. When he says don't harm the oil or wine, what he said is a few people are having the luxuries of life. That's what he's talking about there. But, but he's saying the majority, eventually the majority will have to, to, to slave away, work away, give every ounce of energy they have just for a little bit of food, trying to make it. And so while a few have the luxuries of life, one of the signs of the coming of the Lord is poverty that is very, very real and taking a toll on many will occur, and that's happening right now. That's happening right now. We don't have to wait for it. That sign's occurring right, right, right now in our day and time. Right now, you may not be even aware of this. There are locust swarms that are devastating India, Kenya, and Ethiopia. India, Kenya, and Ethiopia, which already had limited resources, are being devastated by swarms of locusts that are creating worse poverty in those nations. It's the worst plague of locusts in 20 years and maybe the worst ever. Half of the world's population right now, one half of the world's population right now, three billion people live on less than $2.50 a day. By the way, I was just at Albertsons and many of the loaves of bread cost more than $2.50. 1.3 billion people live on less than $1.25 a day. One billion children. It's hard to even think this one or say this one. I don't know about you. One billion children are living in poverty. 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. That means every, 50, every minute, every minute, 15 children die from something that could be prevented. 15 children every single minute die from something preventable because poverty is taking its toll. And the Lord said, when you see that happening, don't shut your eyes. By the way, uh, uh, we as a church, we can't sit on the sidelines when uh, racial unrest is occurring. We have to stand up and speak out. We can't sit on the sidelines when children die. We can't do that. We need to make a difference. That's why the heart of Crossroads is we would be a church that's diverse. That's why the heart of Crossroads is that we would be a church that shows we care. And so we're doing that. We're doing that. In Kenya, we're doing that. In Thailand, in Cambodia, we're doing that. Um, and, and we have to make a difference like that. Uh, one of the things you may uh, not have heard about unless you were with us a while back is we discovered a brick factory in uh, Cambodia. I think I'm right. That's Cambodia, right, guys? It is, yeah. And little children were, were enslaved and forced to work at like four years of age as slaves in the brick factory. Um, we worked with a group that was able to arrange with the owners, this is a shocking thing, a miracle thing, to allow the children to now go to school and not have to be there like that. Their lives changed in a moment for the better with food and with education and with hope. They can be realized. 
But all around us in the United States, we don't see it. I, I, I wasn't going to say you see it. All around us, we don't see it. Why? Because we're the group with the oil and the wine. Uh, we're the group that have the luxuries of life. We're the nation where we can eat part of our food and throw it in the trash because we're not worried about what we'll get next. But half the world's population can't do that. And it's growing. And it's getting worse. Oxford University warned a while back that if we aren't aware of the danger that's coming from what they call the bottom billion, that's a billion people in such extreme poverty, that at some point they're going to have to rise up violently to try to get freedom from extreme poverty. They said the world's a powder cake. And those scientists at the University of Chicago, they, they see this. That's why the doomsday clock's getting so close to midnight. They see it. They see what's coming. So a sign of the coming of the Lord is racial unrest and war. A sign of the coming of the Lord is, is economic imbalance where billions of people are trying to get just a loaf of bread every single day. Uh, a sign of the coming of the Lord is global pandemics. Global pandemics. So in Revelation 6, the next seal that's broken after that seal of economic imbalance and famine is, is something that would create uh, a, the death of 25% of the world's population. And, and something will tip the domino that will put this in place, that will call all the rest of the dominoes to fall. So this will occur. And we're close. This is one thing that's coming. It's what's coming next. So if you ask me what's coming next, this is what's coming next. In Revelation 6, verse 7, it says, When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being saying, Come. And I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death. And his companion was the grave. And these two were given authority over one-fourth, 25% of the earth to kill. With sword and famine and disease and wild animals. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, it's called the four great judgments of God. War, famine, disease, and wild animals. Um, you probably are looking about the wild animal. What does that mean? Um, there's probably a lot to it, but one thing for sure it means is that's where the diseases will come from. That's where the diseases that threaten mankind will come from. And so when you see all of these four linked together, Greater war, more people dying, which creates more famine, which creates more disease. Then we'll see 25% of the world's population die in a brief period of time. What we're seeing right now is a taste of things to come. Jesus said there'd be plagues that would lead up to a great plague that will cause a ripple effect of war, famine, and disease that will cause the population of the planet to drop 25%. The World Health Organization says the same thing. The Center for Disease Control says the same thing. The scientists who are a part of the Atomic Science Bulletin say the same thing. We're 100 seconds to midnight. We're getting closer. And uh, we need to know that. So when the World Health Organization and the CDC have sounded the same warning alarm, and yet the world up till now has paid little attention to the Bible and to our scientists, then we know, we know something's going on. And it's time to pay attention. The coronavirus has the world close to economic meltdown, which is one of those things that creates more economic imbalance, which ripple effects into more famine and war and violence between races. 
Uh, the case fatality rate for the coronavirus is 5.9% in the United States. That means if you were to get it, uh, or of all the people that get it, 5.9% will die. Uh, six people out of 100 uh, who get the coronavirus die in the United States. But in Belgium, it's 16.2%. In France, it's 15.6%. This is a deadly disease. Uh, but it's not the deadliest. So while the coronavirus is worth taking seriously, there's another virus in existence right now called the Marburg virus. It has an 80% case fatality rate. And that's what happened in the Congo when the Marburg virus became transmittable. 80% uh, of the people, 80 out of 100, died who got it. And by the way, died very painfully. There's a strain of Ebola that in 2014 to 2016 in West Africa had a 90% case fatality rate. If it had the susceptibility, the spreadability of the coronavirus, it meant 90% of the people who got it would die. Right now, right now, 500,000 people a year die from the flu. But if, if the H5N1 strain were to mutate, and, and the CDC says, actually, one mutation away. The World Health Organization's been tracking it down, trying to be on it quickly. Uh, there's an incredible documentary on Netflix called Pandemic, where you see these, these um, uh, disease detectives going all around the world on behalf of the World Health Organization, hunting for these diseases that are rising up, because they know it's going to come up quick. And, and those groups are saying if the H5N1 strain were to mutate so that it's more contagious, then it's more likely to be the deadliest disease mankind has ever experienced. Why? Because it is a 60% case mortality rate right now. It would probably have that then, but it spreads faster. And, and, and you already see what happened with the coronavirus. It will be even quicker than that. It's a forest fire of disease ready to be unleashed upon the world. The Bible tells us, tells us that in, in this time of fear, the Bible tells us that in this time of fear and chaos, people will begin to work, look for a world leader. They're going to look for someone to bring stability, someone to rescue us from the pandemic and the economic fallout that we're about to experience. A leader will arise and bring hope and stability. He will move uh, the world to a one-world economy to save our economy. He will enact a mark using a biometric chip or a scan, uh, a biometric scan or a chip that you cannot buy or sell without. That This could be used, by the way to track everybody's movements so that we know if someone gets the disease and they don't self-quarantine, we'll know when they go out and who they're in contact with. And so we'll be able to use that, uh, that particular piece of technology that would appear to be for our safety, but eventually would be for our subjugation to this one leader. And he'll bring a period of peace, by the way. In the midst of all the chaos and all the fear and all the unrest, this leader will rise up, stabilize the economy of the world, and bring peace. Even in the Middle East, by the way, he'll broker a peace treaty that will allow the building of the temple on Temple Mount. And then after three and a half years, he'll begin to turn on Christians and, and begin to attack them. Maybe actually before the three and a half years. And uh, the world's going to join him in seeing Christians as a threat. 
And if you haven't noticed how hatred spreads quickly now, you need to get ready for that. But at some point, even those nations that were backing him will turn on him. And that will lead to the greatest of wars we can imagine. There's two wars talked about in the last days you need to be ready for. One is a nuclear war that will probably involve Russia and other nations, maybe even in the United States. And that's in Revelation chapter 6 also. So one of the next signs of the coming of the Lord after economic meltdown, after disease and famine and war that actually take down the world's population by 25% and a world leader rising up to bring stability for a period of time. Then another war comes. In Revelation 6 verse 12, it says, I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal. We're going to skip down to the sixth seal now. And there was a great earthquake and the sun became as dark as black cloth and the moon became as red as blood. And then the stars of the sky fell onto the earth like green figs, falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky rolled up like a scroll. All of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in caves and among the rocks. And they cried out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to survive? This is an accurate description of a nuclear exchange of missiles being fired of the explosions happening. If you read it, read it again. You'll see that John was describing something that didn't exist in his day because Jesus told him it was coming. And by the way, the prophet Ezekiel also describes the same thing. And the prophet Ezekiel pointed to an area that when he wrote it was almost uninhabited. Its geographical location is, is one we know, but he called it Gog and Magog, the land of Gog, and Gog would be the ruler. And, and what he did is he said from that area, which would be north of Israel, would come an army and create a nuclear exchange in the last days, the place that now Russia exists. That's where Russia is. It's the geographical location Ezekiel pointed to, Zechariah was indicating, and Revelations is telling and one of the signs that Jesus is coming back is we see tension rising with Russia and other nations so that they would actually not only attack, but they would actually enact a nuclear war. And uh, interestingly, almost scary interesting, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, Russia would be allied with Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, and Turkey. They would ally with Russia in their attack. Uh, that's happened already. We're seeing their, their alliances strengthening right now so that they one day they'll be strong enough they'll move together. Jesus, by the way, said the signs of his coming are like birth pains on a pregnant woman. Uh, what does that mean? When a woman is pregnant and she starts to have birth pains, they start out far apart and they're not quite as severe. I mean, they'll hurt, they'll hurt, but, but they're not as severe. But then they get closer and harder and closer and harder and closer and harder to the point she's screaming, screaming in pain unless some kind of a medical 
experience. I'm losing my mind here. Uh, a medical uh, inter uh, in medicine interferes or whatever to help give her a relief. But but without that, they go closer and harder and closer and harder and closer and harder. By the way, they don't they don't come in an exact order. They get, may jump in in frequency. They may slow down. They may speed up. But they're always going to eventually get to the place where it's intense. The coming of the Lord's like that. All of us who are Christians in the 70s, we could see the signs happening. And, and we told people they didn't get it. They were like, oh, yeah, sure. Then in the 80s, we saw more things occurring. And, and people were like, maybe. The 90s brought more. The 2000s have definitely brought more. Now is the most. And the creation of God is crying out, Jesus, come back. The church, I hope, is crying out, Jesus, come back. But we're seeing this happen before our eyes. The Bible and science agree that we're 100 seconds from midnight. And Jesus gave us these signs and more, the ones I told you now and more, so we would know and be ready for him to, to rapture the church out of all this and save us from the horrors to come. I hope you can read the handwriting on the wall. I hope you can read the handwriting on the wall. And, and right now, if you're wondering even where that phrase, the handwriting on the wall comes from, I want to tell you. Daniel, who is a prophet that actually talked about our days and time, he talked about a lot of kingdoms who were future to him. And he gave prophecy after prophecy. Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament that was told us what was to come, not only in our days, but in the years that would follow his days. He became a leader of a group called the Chaldeans. They were the scientists of their day. Daniel showed how faith in God and the wisdom of their time were saying the same thing. Uh, by the way, he showed how faith in God and the science of their time were saying the same thing. And you and I'd be wise to be like Daniel, to be men of God and women of God who understand what the Bible's saying and what science is telling us. Dave, Daniel existed at the time of the Babylonian Empire. And he told the leaders of the Babylonian Empire that one day you're going to be overthrown by the Medo-Persian Empire. This, what was considered the invincible empire of Babylon, Daniel said, I'm telling you one day I'll be defeated. And there's signs that tell you it's coming. You need to be ready. One night, one night with all the warning signs around them, instead of watching the king, the leader of the government of that Babylonian empire of that day, threw a party. And they were all getting drunk. And, and he called for some of the vessels that had been in the temple of God, the temple of the only true living God, to be brought so they could drink from them. So they could, they could show that they were superior, so they could mock God. And when they were drinking wine from those vessels and getting more drunk and more drunk, all of a sudden a, a hand appeared out of nowhere, huge hand. And it started writing on the wall. That's where we get this handwriting on the wall. And it wrote on the wall. And as it did, they were filled with terror. And as they did, they, they didn't know what to do because they couldn't read what was being written. They couldn't interpret it. But there was handwriting on the wall. And then the hand disappeared. And uh, they called for all the wise men they could call in to tell them what it meant. And then finally, the king called for his mother and said, I don't know what to do with this. And she said, call for Daniel. Get Daniel. King had marginalized Daniel. He had 
shoved him uh, to a place so he wouldn't ever talk to him. The wisest man of his day, the, the top scientist of his day. And he ignored everything he had been saying. But now he did. He called him in. And uh, he said, I need you to tell me what this says. And here's what Daniel said. He turned to the king and he said, the handwriting on the wall tells you you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Remember the scales we talked about? And, and a writer came with those scales and the earth was weighed in the balance and found wanting. And you know what? This king had been weighed in the balance and found wanting. He is, he had, is it a place where God was going to judge him? And Daniel said these words, this very night, your kingdom will be taken and you're going to be overthrown. What the king didn't know is while they were partying, the Medo-Persian army had, had marched close to the city. They weren't even watching. They should have been watching. They had dammed up the water and they were able to go in to the city and take the city by going through the water source area of the city, the tunnels that let the water in. And they came in and swarmed the city and took the king that very night. You know what I want you to know? In that very moment, he was weighed in the balance and found wanting and he wasn't watching. So let me ask you a question. If you got weighed by God, would you be found wanting? Are you, are you willing to think about the handwriting on the wall, especially in days like these? And what God is looking at is this. Are you someone who has committed your life to Jesus Christ so you can balance the scales? But the scales are about your righteousness and your sin. And I want you to know that every time you sin, you're found wanting. Every sin you've committed means that you deserve, you deserve the judgment of God. And you know what? You might say, well, I've done some good things, but those sins are heavy and the, the scales are tipped and they're not in your favor. And Jesus said, you know what I'll do? I'll get on the scales for you. All the sin you've committed, I will get on the scale with all my righteousness, all my love, and balance them out, and even more take the sin away. But you've got to commit your life to me. You've got to trust me. You can't ignore the signs of your times. You can't ignore what's going on all around you. And you can't, you can't ignore who you really are and how you've acted. As a matter of fact, there's one great sin I think that you have to know you've committed. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The greatest sin is not murder. The greatest sin is not racism, even though those, those are sins. The greatest sin is not adultery or lying. The greatest sin is if you don't love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And God is warning you, you need to read the handwriting on the wall, the signs of the times, the fact that God loves you, the fact that the, tail, the scales that are not tipped in your favor can now move in your favor because Jesus will actually come and, and put his love, his righteousness, his calling in your life, his purpose for you so that now you could be his. But you need to give your life to the Lord. In that book, the book of Revelation, uh, God is warning you and I by saying, you know what, these things are going to happen and they're happening. But then God promises something. Jesus says this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me. I would come in and share life with him and show him what life's all about. 
He uses incredible imagery, but that's what he's saying. And he says, I want you to know this can be real. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you would say, come in, Lord, come in, and, and actually say, Lord, so that he would now be the one that you are submitting your life to and committing your life to and giving your life to and your heart to. He said, I'll fill you with love. I'll fill you with peace. I'll, I'll protect you in ways you can't imagine. And, and I'll keep you not from all pain and not from all that's going to happen, but from the greatest horrors of the last days. Some of you right now need to read the handwriting on the wall. Some of you right now need to either commit or recommit your life to Christ. You know, I told you if anytime I was speaking, I wanted you to get ready to pray a prayer with me where you could say, I want to give my life to Jesus. This is all real. And not only what we're talking about real, his love is real. What he has for you is real. His, his, his plan for you is real. He's got a plan for your life. And it happens when you pray that prayer and say yes to the Lord. And then we're going to ask you to do the second part of that. Make it public. You got to make it public. Uh, the Bible's clear that you will start by privately committing, but then you got to let it out. Something changes in you. Something happens in your heart and makes the faith real when you actually let people know. So I'm going to ask you to text and let us know. Amen to 69922. Amen to 69922. So right now you can go ahead and text me and, and, and we're going to get back to you and care for you and show you things and, and help you. But right now, uh, man, praise God. Someone's already texted. I praise God for that. But right now, text. Right now, text. But I want to leave that prayer. But before I leave that prayer, I'm going to pray for you because I, I want you to know that God's for you and we're for you. So all you are Christians, I want you to pray for people to pray this prayer and text in. But let me go ahead and, and pray right now for people to say yes to Jesus. Lord, um, the handwriting's on the wall. We know that we're living in the last days. I've, uh, I've had um, incredible numbers of people texting me, emailing me, letting me know, Pastor Chuck, I remember when you taught me this and I was ready. I didn't realize it would be like this, but we're ready and our family's ready. Our, our, our friends are ready. Tonight, I pray more people are ready. More people right now are going to be ready, not only for what's happening, but what's about to happen, what's about to come. And, and Lord, I know the only true way to be ready is to be in, in a relationship with you. And I pray, oh Lord, for some people who are sitting there right now. A matter of fact, there's a guy standing right now. He's standing and listening. Something's got his attention. Along with others who are sitting there. I pray they're going to say yes to you. I pray they're going to pray this prayer and commit their lives to you. I pray that this is the moment where they're not going to have to live in fear, but have faith over fear and, and have your love fill their heart and, and your joy fill their, their minds and their hearts and their souls and be their strength. And Jesus, you love them. You really love them. So I pray right now. I pray right now they're going to say yes for that next person that just already texted amen. Thank you. Thank you for trusting us and thank you for letting us know. Others of you, you need to do this, but I'm about to lead the prayer and I want you to pray it with me. I want you to whisper it or say it out loud. By the way, you could pray it alone. You could pray as a couple. Grab someone's hand and say, pray this with me. But pray it. We really want you to pray it. So here's, here's what, get ready. We're just going to start to talk to the Lord. I'll say the words you just repeat them. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. 
I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from fear, from depressing thoughts, from any kind of addiction I have, from grudges, Lord, so I can love. I want to be free to love. But I pray most of all, you'll make me yours. You'll make me alive. You'll make me brand new. So I say yes. Those are the only words you can say. Just say that. Just right now go, I say yes. Say that to God. Say it to Jesus. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen means the truth. That's why you text amen. Amen means the truth. It means I'm for real. And praise God for all of you who prayed that. And, and we want to get information to you. Uh, we want to give you some gifts to help you uh, have some things to grow in the Lord. So as you text in, we'll get back to you. And we want to care for you and get to know you and, and, and find ways to encourage you and have you be a part of our church family. So praise God for all of you who've done that.